Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into heat in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. Apologies uh, for no Friday episode. I know I said there was going to be one, and there was supposed to be one, and it just, the, 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 it didn't manifest, uh, I guess, the week in the way that I thought it was going to, and um, yeah, here we are. Uh, today's episode, I suppose, is going to be released just a touch late, uh, but it is Monday, so... <clears throat> We should be okay. We should be okay. Uh, like I said, Heat. I watched it for the scavenger hunt that I did. And so uh, after putting in all the stats for it, I was like, oh, this would be a pretty good statistics episode to do. A lot of actors in the movie. Uh, a lot of big names uh, and smaller names kind of covering the, the spectrum. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to go to kind of a retroactive statistics episode. I like to throw these in now and then. Um... So, yeah, we're going to talk about heat, do the stats, and uh, that's going to be it. As of right now, uh, there will be a Friday episode. My plan is for it to be a review of Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Uh, it may end up being the top 10 1920s born actors episode. Uh, but suffice to say, those two episodes should be the Friday and Monday episodes in some, some order uh, this weekend. Uh, then there's still the review episode for the scavenger hunt that I did, and one other episode uh, for April on the following Monday, unless that's the scavenger episode. Cross that bridge when we get to it. So, that's the schedule. That's what we're looking at. Let's get into today's episode. So, I watched Heat on uh, April 4th this month. It is a 1995 movie. I'd never seen it. It's the most popular film on Letterboxd I hadn't seen. It's been there for many, many years. It is two hours and 46 minutes long. It is a very long heist thriller crime movie. Um, I ended up giving the movie a 68, and I think the movie does a lot of things well. If you check out my Letterboxd review, and I kind of say the same things, I like, I think it does a lot of things really well. I think there's really good tension in the movie. Uh, some of the shootouts and heist sequences themselves are really strong. Uh, a lot of the dynamic between De Niro and Pacino is really great, um, and, uh, you know, it just, Michael Mann injects it with that, that macho energy and oftentimes uh, it works within the confines of this movie on the other hand i think it, it has this huge cast and it doesn't really utilize them well even with an almost three hour movie all the female characters are nothing um from portman to judd uh to to amy brenneman they're all kind of lackluster in their in their roles and and, and relevance uh, suffice to say uh that's i don't know it is i i pinpoint a, a one a single moment in the movie in my letterboxd review where tom sizemore uh during a gunfight picks up a girl to kind of use as a shield basically and just the the parameters of that one moment are are just really jarring and they completely pulled me out of the movie and i think that there's, I don't know, it just, it felt like about two-thirds of the movie was written with really great care and detail, and a third of it just wasn't, 
and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why that was, what what caused that disparity, but that's kind of where I ended up. So my my brief synopsis of the movie: the police start to close in on a group of professional bankers. Pretty succinct to the point. Um, for the year, or uh, it has an eighty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. There are twenty actors on my spreadsheet who have who are in Heat. Um, it is ranked 34th for the year of 1995, and it is ranked 2,490th overall. And it is currently ranked 123rd on the IMDb Top 250. So pretty high. A lot of people really love this movie, and I, I, I'm, I certainly get it. I understand why people would like it, just not me, not for me. Uh, it gets a 1 on the Bechdel test. It has an MPA rating of R. It is a crime film. It is the 310th highest rated crime film on my sheet. It is a drama, tied for 1,410th on my sheet in dramas. And a thriller, tied for 439th overall uh, on my spreadsheet. Um, I was really surprised to learn that it wasn't nominated for a single Academy Award. Didn't get a sound, didn't get... Um, you know, a film editing or anything like that, which really shocked me. I thought it would definitely get a sound at least, and uh, turns out it didn't. Turns out it didn't. I, I guess Braveheart came out the same year, and it kind of dominated the awards season uh, in a way. In a sense, you also had Apollo 13 and uh, The Usual Suspects. So a lot of um, a lot of films to kind of take that place. So yeah, no no love. No love for Heat. Moving on. The director of Heat, as I said, uh, mentioned earlier, is Michael Mann. This is the eighth film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a, or increasing his average film rating to a 64.88. It's his third film rated in the 60s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind The Last of the Mohicans and ahead of Public Enemies. He has a value of 4.5, a score of 56.4 to be ranked 121st overall, one spot behind Andrea Arnold, one spot ahead of Frank Oz. I think the direction is generally solid. Um, I think Michael Mann is generally a really good director. I like The Insider, I like Collateral, I like Thief, I like Ali, uh, and you know, Last of the Mohicans. I like a lot of his movies, and I think his direction is generally a, a pretty solid element. I would never elevate him to like a best director you know for me personally but uh, i think he's always pretty consistently good um with my my only exception to that is black hat which i I think is terrible so i you know the direction for me didn't really let it down uh you know i mentioned a couple of quibbles as far as like staging and blocking and and some of the ways the scenes were set up but uh, i think for the most part it's a very solidly directed film particularly the final sequence between De Niro and Pacino um, <clears throat> is it for me uh, writing Michael Mann wrote the film this is the fourth film credit of his that I've seen as a writer it drops his average film rating to a 74.5 it's his second film rated in the 60s and worst movie overall coming in behind The Last of the Mohicans and I, I don't know uh, the writing I think is a little weaker than the direction in, in Heat uh, some of the dialogue, some of the scenes, a lot of the stuff that De Niro and Pacino get, and I'm going to keep singling them out. I think they they 
elevated above you know the rest of the male cast kilmer and, and sizemore they they do such great work in this i thought i thought they were really strong uh they got you know i'm sure they i feel like they love to like play against each other and and maybe that's true maybe it's not but they they really look like they have a great time uh working with each other and acting off of each other uh so the dialogue seems better when it's coming out of their mouths and so every time somebody else was talking uh it kind of suffered a little bit and i don't know uh, writing <clears throat> the writing in, in a michael mann film has never been something i've uh at least the, when he's done it that is uh has never been something i've been drawn to for any reason so michael mann uh writer for heat which brings us to our actors the big one this is where all the names are so we start out with Al Pacino. This is the 33rd film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rating to a 59.36. It is his sixth film rated in the 60s and 17th best movie overall, coming in behind Danny Collins and ahead of Frankie and Johnny. It's another scavenger hunt movie. He has a value of 11, a score of 66.97 to be ranked 88th overall, one spot behind Rafe Fiennes and one spot ahead of Marsha Jean Kurtz. I like Pacino. I think think i would pick uh de niro as my favorite uh actor in this movie uh just a little just ever so ever so slightly uh pacino almost almost won me back uh in the sort of climax of the film but um ended up being de niro by by the slimmest of margins uh next up is tom sizemore this is the 15th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rate to a 61.8. It is his sixth film, rated between rated in the 60s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Enemy of the State and ahead of Devil in a Blue Dress. He has a value of 6.5, a score of 61.03 to be ranked 308th overall, one spot behind Orson Welles, one spot ahead of Jesse Plemons. Uh, Tom Sizemore is fine. He's fine. I, I don't know. I, I don't have any particularly strong feelings about Tom Sizemore and anything he's done, so take it with a grain of salt. Uh, next up is Bud Court. This is the 10th film of his I've seen, increasing his average film rate to a 61.6. It's his third film, rated in the 60s, and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind voice role in The Little Prince, and ahead of himself at, as himself in Matthew Gray Goobler's Life Aquatic Intern Journal, which is a documentary attached to uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Uh, increases his value to a 3, his score to a 54.33, to be ranked 789th overall, one spot behind Jenna Malone, one spot ahead of Bruce Cabot. Bud Court plays the role of... Selenko, the restaurant manager. Exciting. Next up is Natalie Portman. This is the 37th film credit of hers I've seen, increasing her average film rate to a 55.46. It's her eighth film, rated in the 60s, and 15th best movie overall, coming in behind herself as in behind um, playing herself in Zoolander and ahead of her voice role in The Prince of Egypt. She has a value of one, a score of 53.62 to be ranked 839th overall, one spot behind Chris Messina, and one spot ahead of DeVay Chase. Natalie Portman, I believe, plays Al Pacino's daughter in this movie. Uh, Lauren Gustafson. Maybe. Maybe that's not right. I don't know. She's related to Al Pacino in this movie. Pretty sure daughter. Stepdaughter, perhaps. Um, and uh, 
man, she like shows up once or twice in the beginning of the movie, shows up again at the end of the movie, and I I don't understand what her role did to service this film. Uh, unfortunately, she was fine in it, uh, neither good nor bad, but. I didn't see any reason to keep her in the movie. Next up is Ted Levine. This is the 18th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average point to a 57.78. It's his fourth film, rated in the 60s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind American Gangster and ahead of The Manchurian Candidate. I believe that is the remake with Denzel. He has uh, a value of one, a score of 53, even to be ranked 889th overall, one spot behind James Urbaniak, and one spot ahead of Edward Andrews. Ted Levine playing the role of Bosco in the film. Um, Ted Levine, you may know from Silence of the Lambs, or Shutter Island, or Wild Wild West, or more recently, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, uh, was fine. Bosco, I don't know. Uh, There's a lot of tertiary characters in this movie uh, that are acting out, like, that are pretty much relegated to scenes that don't involve Pacino, De Niro, Kilmer, Voight, um, you know, at all. And Ted Levine is is one of those characters who's very rarely interacts with the main cast. Uh, you know, he spends... I don't know, there's just all these side plots. The movie has so many side plots. You know, Fickner, Haysbert, McKelvey Williamson, Studi, uh, uh, the... I don't know. Tom Noonan, Kevin Gage, Hank Azaria, Danny Trejo. I don't know. Like The movie goes to great lengths to separate the characters, and I really just want them always to come together, and that was very frustrating. So, Ted Levine. Next up is McKelty Williamson. This is the 10th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rating to a 59.4. It's his second film rated in the 60s and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Streets of Fire and ahead of Lucky Number Slevin. He has a value of 0.5, a score of 50 even, to be ranked 1,193 overall. One spot behind Gabby Hoffman, and one spot ahead of Madeline Stowe. Michaelty Williamson plays Sergeant Drucker, Sergeant Drucker, in the film, and he was fine. He did his thing. He was, uh, you know, he played right next to Pacino for the most part, and, uh, wasn't much more to it than that. Next is Robert De Niro. This is the 58th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film to a 54.02. It's his eighth film, rated in the 60s, and 21st best movie overall, coming in behind Mean Streets and ahead of The Untouchables. He has a value of negative 3.5, a score of 48.72, to be ranked 1,333rd overall, one spot behind Zora Zahetner, and one spot ahead of Bo Burnham. Robert De Niro, of course, playing one of the main characters, Neil McCauley, opposite Al Pacino's Lieutenant Vincent Hanna. Uh, He is the bank robber. Pacino is the cop, cops and robbers. There you have it. Um, Man, De Niro is really, really fantastic in this. I think his dramatic moments hit and land a lot better than Pacino's did. Uh, His relationship with his crew, with Kilmer... Uh, particularly is is fun uh he i don't know I, I think he just he got the better lines he got the better moments and uh it paid off for him and you know the the final scene 
uh, you know, it kind of teeters toward Pacino just because, you know, the cops kind of have to win. But it is what it is. I, I thought De Niro was best in show in the movie. Next is Jeremy Piven. This is the 27th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average for me to a 53.59. It's his sixth film, rated in the 50, 60s, and eighth best movie overall, coming in behind Cars. Oh, man. I don't know. Cars is probably a little overrated, a little highly rated on my spreadsheet, that is. Uh, and he is just ahead of Gross Point Blank. <clears throat> he has a value of negative 1.5, a score of 48.4, to be ranked 1,376th overall, one spot behind Ophelia Lovabond, and one spot ahead of Chris Hardwick. That Chris Hardwick. Jeremy Piven, playing the role of Dr. Bob. Um... Pretty much a, a background character. Doesn't have too big of a role. I don't know if he even has more than one scene. Uh, but I like Jeremy Piven. He didn't... It wasn't a bad... You know, he didn't leave a bad aftertaste in my mouth, at least. Uh, next up is John Voight. This is the 28th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rate to a 52.46. It's his fourth film, rated in the 60s, and 11th best movie overall, coming in behind Zoolander and ahead of The Manchurian Candidate. Where have we heard that before? Uh, he has a value of negative three and a half, a score of 45.47 to be ranked 1,741st overall, one spot behind Jason Bateman, one spot ahead of Nestor Serrano. John Voight playing Nate. He's just, man, he just listed as Nate in this movie. Strange. Uh, yeah, John Voight playing Nate, <laughs> I, I suppose, is, uh, uh, it's tough. You know, I... I've seen, you know, like I said, 20-some John Voight movies. I've never really been that impressed by him on, like, an acting level, I, I suppose. Uh, he just kind of is, and, you know, he, he chews some scenery and, and does his thing, I guess. Um, but ultimately, I think he's a little cartoonish, and it, it generally doesn't work for me. Uh... Here, I don't think he's quite that bad. I think he's toned down quite a bit. I think he, he's able to, you know, with hold, pull himself in more so than, than other times. You know, he plays the fence in the film. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he was serviceable. John Boyd, serviceable. Next up is Xander Berkeley. This is the 27th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average performance to a 51.74. It's his fourth film, right in the 60s and 10th best movie overall, coming in behind Air Force One and head of North Country. He has a value of negative 5.5, a score of 42.67 to be ranked 2,116th overall. One spot behind Natasha Lyonne, one spot ahead of, let's go with Ari Grainer. Grainor, Grainer. Uh, Xander Berkeley played Ralph. Ralph. Yeah, he's like 25th build on the film. Ralph, Xander Berkeley. He was fine. Uh, Tom Noonan. Eighth film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film to a 53.38. It's his second film, rated in the 60s, and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Last Action Hero and ahead of Synecdoche, New York. He has a value of negative one, a score of 41.7, to be ranked 2,259th overall, one spot behind Terry Kinney, one spot ahead of Melissa Benoist. 
Uh, she plays Supergirl on CW. Uh, <laughs> confusing myself. Tom Noonan plays Kelso. Kelso, not from that 70s show. Uh, but uh, he's, again, he's one of the characters who I feel wasn't a huge instrumental element of the film. Uh, another character that spends a lot of the time separated, separate from everybody. And it's, uh, I don't know. It, 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 it sucked the tension out of the movie every once in a while when that was kind of emphasized and harped on. Next up is Diane Venora. This is the sixth film credit of hers I've seen, dropping her average, or increasing her average film rate to a 52.67. It's her second film in the 60s and second film overall, coming behind The Insider and ahead of Romeo plus Juliet. She has a value of negative one and a half, a score of 38 to be ranked 2,760th overall, one spot behind Jay Hernandez, one spot ahead of DeForest Kelly. Diane Venora played, make sure I get the name right, Justine. Justine. Uh, and so, uh, she's an ex-wife, or, or no, she is the current wife, rather, of Pacino's character, and like all the other female characters in the movie, does not get much to do, which is a shame. I, a really strong female cast, and they don't really use them very well. Next is Hank Azaria. This is the 25th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average filming to a 48.32. It's his sixth film right in the 60s and fifth film overall, coming in behind Uprising and head of Gross Point Blank. Uh, he has a value of negative 7.5, a score of 37.24, to be ranked 2,874th overall, one spot behind Coco Sumner, one spot ahead of Danny DeVito. Hank Azaria plays the role of Alan Marciano. Alan Marciano. Uh, and he, if I'm correctly, I don't know. He, he just like affiliated affiliated loosely with the main characters. It's just, it's too much. It's too much. Come on. Tighten up your script. Next is Wes Studi. This is the 11th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film range to a 48.09. It's his second film in the 60s. Fifth film overall, coming in behind The Last of the Mohicans and ahead of Mystery Man. He has a value of negative 3.5, a score of 37.19 to be ranked 2,881st overall, one spot behind Rick Overton, and one spot ahead of Rupert Friend. Wes Studi plays Castles, C-A-S-A-L-S. He is a detective. Um, I don't know. Uh, all the detectives that aren't Pacino, why? I don't know. Why? Like, there's too many. You have too many supporting characters. That is why your movie is too long and bloated and unfocused. Val Kilmer. So he's kind of the third lead character. He's definitely not Pacino and De Niro level, but he is slightly above everyone else in the movie. Uh, this is the 16th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average filming to 47.25. It's his third film in the 60s, fifth film overall, coming in behind Batman Forever and ahead of his voice role in The Prince of Egypt. He has a value of negative six, a score of 36 even, to be ranked 3,057th overall, one spot behind Angela Bassett and one spot ahead of Louis Black. Val Kilmer plays the role of Chris Shaherlis, who is there kind of the whole time. Uh, he, not being De Niro Pacino means his character is not as three-dimensional and as deep as theirs is. He doesn't, you know, he has his moments. Uh, he, he definitely has the dramatic elements to it, but just never quite gets to the, the kind of peak, I suppose, that Pacino and De Niro reach. And he doesn't have 
you know, Pacino and Kilmer, there's no, I don't know, there's no huge rivalry there. You know, Kilmer's just a guy to Pacino's Vincent Hanna. Whereas De Niro, that's like a, you know, this is a grudge. This is a um, specific targeting. Uh, there's a word I'm looking for. And I, rivalry, I guess, uh, that, that otherwise we have not seen. We don't see uh, with Kilmer. So I liked what I, what I got from Kilmer. I, I thought he did a good job. I, I think... I don't know. I think you cut out some of the the waste, some of the extra stuff, and you elevate Kilmer maybe to a a three-hander movie, and maybe you got something. Next up is Amy Brenneman. This is the seventh film credit of hers I've seen, increasing her average film range to a 48.43. It's her third film in the 60s, third film overall, coming in behind Casper and ahead of the Jane Austen Book Club. She has a value of negative 2.5, a score of 35.17, to be ranked 3,173rd overall. One spot behind Mike Coulter, one spot ahead of Matt Bomer, Amy Brenneman, another poorly represented female character in the film, um, has a relationship with De Niro, and, you know, it, it falls out for reasons. It, it's tied to the main story enough. I wouldn't cut her out like some of the other characters. Next is Dennis Haysbert from all those, um, what is it? Allstate commercials. See Allstate, State Farm. Why do they have state in them? Uh, from all the car insurance commercials, Dennis Haysbert. 22 film credits that I've seen, and average increasing his average film range to a 46.77. It's his fourth film in the 60s, sixth film overall, coming in behind Kung Fu Panda 2 and ahead of Experimenter. He has a value of negative 8.5, a score of 34.38 to be ranked 3,289th overall, one spot behind Jeff Bell, and one spot ahead of Jean Desjardins. Dennis Haysbert. Haysbert plays Breeden, uh, who is uh, one of the drivers that De Niro's uh, criminal uses. You know, he's fine. I guess you gotta have a driver, so... Somebody with a pretty recognizable voice fits the bill. Next is William Fickner. This is the 29th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average filming to a 46.69. It's his fourth film, right in the 60s, and seventh film overall, coming in behind Blades of Glory and ahead of the Holmes Money is a value of negative 12.5, a score of 31.18 to be ranked 3,660th overall, one spot behind Kate Beckinsale, and one spot ahead of Tim Heidecker. I kind of, I really like William Fickner most of the time. Uh, here he plays Roger Van Zant. Uh, he is... Um, a victim question mark in the film definitely not a good guy but is involved in the robbery uh, stuff that's going on and uh, so he's got his own little side thing going on with uh, with the Nero I thought that's fine it might have been a little much like I don't know if that was necessary in this movie uh, if your main you know main tension is being drawn out of uh, Pacino and De Niro but I didn't hate it. I, I thought there was something there, at least. Next up is Danny Trejo. This is the 33rd film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film range to a 45.61. It's his eighth film rate in the 60s, sixth film overall, coming in behind Once Upon a Time in Mexico and ahead of Muppets Most Wanted. He has a value of negative 15, a score of 28 to be ranked 3,996th overall, one spot behind 
Cynthia Stevenson, one spot ahead of Regina Hall. Danny Trejo plays Trejo, naturally. Um, I don't know. Maybe he couldn't remember his name? I don't know. He He's an affiliate, sort of, of uh, De Niro's, and again, another one of those tertiary characters. Next is Ashley Judd. This is the 12th film credit of hers. I've seen increasing average for me to a 34.67. It's her only film in the 62nd film overall, coming in behind Frida, ahead of Barry. She has a value of negative 11.5, a score of 18.21, to be ranked 4,764th overall, one spot behind Callum Turner, one spot ahead of Yvonne Strahovski. Ashley Judd, wasted. Uh, you know, I mean, she plays uh, wife to Val Kilmer. I thought of all the female characters, she was given the like most significant role, oddly enough. Uh, not any of the ones that are related to Pacino De Niro. It was the one related to Kilmer who got the best role. Uh, but it's Ashley Judd, so like, she's fine. Uh, she's fine. That's it for all the actors. Um, like I said, no Academy Awards for the film. Uh, which brings us to the year, uh, 1995. This is the 107th film I've seen from the year 1995. It increases the average rating of those films to 50.37. Increases their tomato meter score, average tomato meter to 56.3. It is the, let's see here, 20th crime film, 53rd drama, and... 25th thriller that I've seen from 1995. It is part of the 30.84% of films from that year that have a one on the Bechtel test. Uh, the slightly higher percentage than a three as of right now. And it's rated R. It's the 39th film rated R that I've seen from 1995. It is also the 123rd film on my spreadsheet to be given a rating of 68. Some of the other films that got a 68 from the most recent years, The Platform, which is currently on Netflix, The Lighthouse, Ready or Not, The Mustang, uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Vox Lux, Private Life, Hereditary, Revenge, The Post, Kong Skull Island, Battle of the Sexes, Decorado, A Monster Calls, Tallulah, The Little Prince, Danny Collins, Big Hero 6, Jodorowsky's Dune, Venus and Fur, Blue Capri, Zane, The Body Saints, all the way down to the oldest film on the list that got a 68, which is 1915's Work. And that is it. That is heat in a nutshell, and a statistics nutshell. Um, yeah. So like I said, Friday will either be top 10 1920s born actors or a review of Never, Sometimes, Rarely, Always. Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. I'm not sure I'm getting that in the right order. But uh, yeah, stay safe. If you'd like to find more episodes of the show, iTunes, Stitcher, Plays, or Podcast can be found. You can find all the episodes on the website, circleoffilm.com. You can find me on uh, on, on Twit, uh, Twitter at Circle of Film. You can find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film. You can email circleoffilm at gmail.com about anything and everything. If you'd like to support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, tell somebody about it, or listen. And, uh, you know, you can do better things with your money than support me right now. But if you are so inclined, you can head over to patreon.com slash circlefilm, where for as little as eight, uh, or as little, little as $1 a month, you can have early access to any of the episodes that are released early. 
And of course, cannot leave without thanking Brian, uh, the nicest of patrons that I've got, uh, for his continued support. Uh, means a lot, and it means a lot that you listen. So thank you, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only